Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. And in the week that we both appeared on separate YouTube battle reports in the most ambitious crossover event since the Avengers, join me, David Thor Pettit, and joined by rich Uncle Ben O'Keefe, it's Rich O'Keefe. Wow, that's harsh. That guy's got I killed mean, off a lot of times and he always comes back in the next Spider-Man movie though, so you know, you're all good. Yeah, but he has the occasional good line, so... Uh, he has that, the same... No, he has the same line over and over again. <laughs> I mean, hobby tips. Uh, anyway, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, our website floorhammerpodcast.com and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. And regular listeners of the show will notice that my voice is well and truly back. So It is. All praise. So is your comedic form, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I did. I I'm gonna say I, I thought you would go for the low hanging fruit of a Professor Xavier reference, Dave. But uh... no. <laughs> anyway, now that we've got the giggles off air out of the way, uh, what <laughs> have we got coming up in today's episode, Rich? Well, like you say, we are back to form, and we will be hitting uh, you up with a bit of hobby progress. Um, as uh, as Dave has really been busy, turns out this uh, whole uh, getting your army featured twice on a YouTube channel has really spurred you on. It has, and my motivation has come back. Uh, Warcraft has completely ground to a halt. Okay, um, right, so, fair. That's where. It... <laughs> yeah, lots, lots of uh, contributing factors, and uh, something that I'll get to in the hobby progress: a uh, a trip to a certain Warhammer world is always Whoa. good for the motivation. Super jealous. And uh, we will talk about uh, what GW's got coming out, uh, as we always do. There's some good stuff and some mm. uh, raised eyebrows, uh, which, we'll def- <laughs> which we'll definitely get onto. We've got games to talk about, sort of. I yeah. want to... Obviously, there are the bat reps, which you can go and see on uh, Tabletop Tactics for High Flying Dave or uh, Warzone Morlock, where the real... Where the real action takes place, as I have a showdown with Bill. It was really good. A thousand points. Good. I, lo- I, do, good. I mean, I know you love a bite-sized bat rep. No. Um, oh, but uh, no, no. I, I was, uh, I was intrigued. I've watched half of it so far in, in uh, my first lunch today, and I think I've got the rest of it tomorrow. No, well, I'm glad you're happy. Downhill from here. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to spoil her anything, but yeah. I played our friend who collects Ultramarines, Glenn. Um, mm. And I did a Death Guard versus Grey Knights matchup, and I've definitely got uh, that's my first experience with uh, the new Grey Knights Codex uh, as my opponent. So I've got some thoughts there. Nice, nice. Introduce him as the Ultramarine playing friend, and then he plays Grey Knights. So yeah, well, I mean that's just how Good we know job. Glenn now, isn't it? Like that's his, well, that's his that's flavor his of the stick. month, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's, just, he's just a bit behind because he's a slow painter. <laughs> He's faster than you, mate. He is. He is. No, I, 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 to be fair, I have got no idea how fast he paints because I think he's doing orcs at the moment. Oh, he's but, uh, smashing them yeah. out. Sidetrack aside. Uh, um, yeah, we want to dive into also looking at uh, a bit of a thoughts on our experiences of actually filming games um, because mm. obviously there's, yeah, there's, the, there's your big YouTube channels or whatever. There are people who just film games for fun um and, and all sorts and even some people i mean i think bill actually said he started filming games just to like have them as reference material to, to look back on and then decided to turn it into something so obviously we've both had quite different experiences with what we've uh, been through filming games so we thought we'd uh, do a bit of a dive in on that and then i will cap things off with a hobby tip as always even if dave doesn't like it i love them you know i, I <laughs> it's it's the low-hanging fruit as you uh indeed so lovely referenced but um, anyway, I mean, let's let's jump straight into hobby progress. 
No, 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 uh, no, David. I... We've, we've before we get before we get there, we've got we've got to talk about show news. Nice, nice. I... You've you've caught you've caught me there. I've caught you was, this time. I, I, <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to step in or we we're going to have to cut that. No, no, we're good. Um, yes, so an update to the giveaways uh, that we did on uh, the uh, for, as a result of the quiz a couple of shows ago. Uh, they are now in the mail to people, so uh, keep your eyes peeled if you were one of the lucky people. Uh, I did get everyone uh, coming back. I think the person who was in fourth place was uh, rather surprised to be left with Abaddon the Despoiler as fourth choice. Yeah, I, he he got super lucky with the the first three people actually uh, collecting the armies of the aforementioned prizes. Exactly, I think that worked out very well. So we've got happy listeners, and uh, thanks again to Matt and Axel for the support. And uh, we also wanted to do a bit of an update on the three paint challenge because it's about time that another one rolls around. Um, but Dave and I have got a few thoughts on on doing a bit of a shift here but before we do i did want to put a shout out to the people who have painted along specifically the two tims regular tale of two tims the tale of two tims the regular uh, the regular tim who's appeared on the show uh, a fair few times before and uh, tim spinelli on uh, instagram who is currently absolutely smashing it uh, with three paint sick. challenge it makes me physically sick i'm going to get my three <laughs> paint challenge miniature and just like hit it with a hammer it's just <laughs> so good no, but, he's um, he's he spent a lot of time um, so sort of shifting the colours around, using the paints that uh, that he'd been assigned. Um, but his, uh, yeah, you should you should check him out. It's uh, I can't remember his Instagram handle, but it's Tim Spinelli. Yeah, I think, um, I think it might actually be his Instagram handle. He's one of those people who yeah. actually uses his name, shockingly. Um, but we've done a couple of rounds of this now, and Dave thought that uh, it was uh, time to shake it up, and I definitely agree. So we haven't decided exactly what we're going to do, so we're not going to do a new pick uh, this week like we probably would have done. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going to come back with a new hobby challenge um, and something something uh, different and interesting to, to spur us on to push us way out of our comfort zone. So I think that's definitely what's happened both times we've done the, the, the paint challenges. It's really pushed us to do something completely different. Yeah, yeah, and we're not moving away from the three paint challenge. Uh, it's just going to be a different element of the challenge aspect. Yeah, uh, that we're we're setting ourselves. So we've got we've got a few ideas in the pipeline, and uh, maybe next episode we'll be we'll be finding out what that is. Do you now, Dave, want to move into your hobby progress while I go put the uh, I mean, while we listen attentively? Yeah, I mean, I didn't before, but uh, I will do it anyway. <laughs> Uh, first up, I mentioned last week that I built some neophytes, which are the scouts from the Crusader Squad uh, for the Black Templar box. Um, so I built, uh, so I've been painting up those, uh, put them into the Crusader Squad. I built the Sword Brother, complete with um, Monty Moustache, or, or for those people outside of UK history, it's uh, <laughs> like a, the, the the sort of brush moustache. That were very popular in the sort of forties and fifties, and that's the that's the sergeant for the squad, right? The sword brother. Yes, the sword brother. Um, so although there is the sword brethren squad, which are the the, the sort of uh, veterans yeah. of the Black Templar chapter, um, the Crusader squads are led by uh, a sword brother that okay. is essentially the sergeant, like you said. Uh, comes equipped with the power sword by default. Always good. Always good. Mm. Um, but I'd also built up the uh, Pyre Starter, um, okay, yep. the uh, the 15-inch Flamer. 
Um, so I, I wanted to use that because it's a new toy. Um, and as I was going on to the aforementioned tabletop tactics, I wanted to bring as many of the new units from the box set as I could. Yeah, it makes total uh, sense. Which also included the Empress Champion. Mm. So uh, complete in Primaris form. Uh, he is an absolute beat stick for characters. Um, not so much for massive orc vehicles, as uh, <laughs> you might find out on YouTube, but that that was uh, an undignified end. Um, but yeah, they've all been painted up in my uh, new colour scheme. I say new colour scheme, it's been around for a good year now, actually. What, the Black 10 Plus colour scheme of black? <laughs> yeah, no. No, my uh, third iteration of the uh, the Templars. Um, mm. All Primaris. I've had my fill of Firstborn, as I've had to explain a few times about <laughs> why I'm not taking Firstborn Marines. Um I mean, my humble opinion, compared to Primaris Marines, they look a bit stumpy now. Used to love them. Yeah. They just, they are lacking a bit now. Um, however, saying that, um, with some of the, the, the stratagems in the, the, the new Templar Codex, I am considering uh, getting the Terminators out and sort of Ooh. trying to upscale them so they don't look so stumpy. Um, and Centurions as well. Uh, on the rise especially if they're in inside of a land raider crusader oh nice but uh yeah complete tangent uh so moving on from the templars um i have come to a decision about my next army and it is going to be orcs Ooh. so i i've considered doing orcs in in the past yeah. and and i'd always held back I don't know why. I think I was just, I tried not to pick up too many projects at once, um, especially because that's been your downfall in the past. Uh, yeah, slightly. I always said that I was going to do Sisters when their Combat Patrol box came out. The issue is they are very close in my mind to the Templars. And I think if I did the Sisters again, fantastic models, but aesthetically and cinematically in my head, they're a bit too close to the Templars and I'd just be painting the exact same army just with different units and right yeah different different genders essentially it's armor and cloth again isn't it for you armor it's, cloth yeah. armor cloth faith anger fire uh, yeah it's it's it's, it's the ornate nature favorite mm. of flamer weapons yep. um everything's down to faith um they get sort of saved by the emperor on fives and sixes that sort of thing yeah so they, they are a bit too similar um, so I have st steered away and um, playing um, Mike Chef on uh, on YouTube and getting to see orcs up close were, was 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 great because the, he sort of had um, some of the the new stuff. So I was completely converted. So based off of that, um, I have been very lucky that I have acquired the limited edition orc codex, the Beast Snaggers codex. Ooh, okay. Um, as well as the orc combat patrol. Basically, a friend of mine, uh, sort of my sister-in-law's boyfriend, Matt, was doing orcs, has decided to focus on his ultramarines and white scars for the time being. So uh, I um, have acquired his uh, orc reinforcements because he does actually have an orc army. So I've acquired those reinforcements and I've, I've started. So I've built two tester models so far. The um, the orc knob from the boys in the box, yep. um, as well as uh, a big shooter. 
um, or just to try and get the skin toned down because I've been looking at some of the uh, the Warhammer Plus tutorials and then various tutorials online. I really like the sort of the saturated light green that they've been doing recently. Okay, yeah. Um, as opposed to the the really uh, vibrant green of the past. So uh, yeah, so I've bought quite a few paints and I'm going to try and paint those up as tester models last but not least uh, i actually took the redemptor from the black templar box i didn't have it in the um bat rep so i uh, he, he was sort of lagging behind but i've built him i've posed him with the plasma um cool. and i've done some um osl painting with him as well so he's got uh, he's got the the standard lights and plasma glow uh, from his big plasma weapon nice so uh, yeah he 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 is built and painted up to the point of um transfers wow. that's all of the body stuff and that's the cloth and um, once the transfers go in i can complete the weathering with all of my sort of classic rust streaks and all of that sort of stuff so yeah it's uh it's been quite um busy considering i've actually been away for a week as well <laughs> you have yeah so uh yeah uh went up to warhammer world had a had a fight there use my thousand suns actually which i'll get to in the game section um, but uh, no, it was it was a really nice time away. I've been getting a lot done. So yeah, my my motivation has come back completely, and uh, I have been loving uh, the the mix of Black Templars and Orcs at the same time. I mean, you've got to sell them in separate boxes, right? I do, I do. But however, well, actually, my shelf's not big enough for my <laughs> entire collection. But uh, it's going to be like Toy Story, where I'm going to go to bed at night and they're going to start fighting in my cabinet. That was my concern. That was my concern. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what what have you been getting up to in the last, what, two, three weeks we've been off air now? Three weeks now, yeah, three mm. weeks. I have uh, been busy bee, and uh, most of it will uh, not surprise you has been terrain-based, so there's a, there's a shocker. I, I, no, I, I, I like this rich side that I hadn't seen before. Before it was uh, getting random army projects done off the table, and now this whole shift to terrain... I'm really intrigued because obviously I'll be doing terrain in the near future, and I think some of your stuff you're doing at the moment is really cool. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm As I'm, opposed I'm, I'm, to before, <laughs> it was just it was just rubbish. Um, I yeah, <laughs> I'm on a bit of a I did yeah, on a bit of a roll. Um, and I finished up a project which is always nice. So I mm. mentioned before I was doing some trees uh, for mm-hmm. a Middle Earth uh, themed project. Um, I was uh, in the latter stages of that project last time we recorded and had started a second project, uh, both my terrain creator um, uh, side business, I suppose, um, when I went and was doing some baseboard cutting. And of course, uh, safety conscious me is very careful when operating tools, including power tools. Um, But uh, I changed the blade in my utility knife uh, which is an Alpha knife. It's one of those um, snappable blade knives. Uh, brand new fresh blade. Thought, oh, I'll just pick my ruler up um, and put my hand across the knife. I, I have a, a laceration, which is apparently the uh, next level up from a cut. Wow. Wow. I mean, yes. it, I, I did make sure that you were okay, but it was hilarious watching your uh, YouTube video with this massive bandage. Yes. <laughs> Um, simple ter- terrain made simple yet you had this like massive bandage on it's like oh, i've God. never said it was safe all right i've never said <laughs> it was safe no i'm nice. very I'm, you know me i'm incredibly safety conscious um i think the problem was i wasn't actively cutting something at the time so i wasn't concentrating on where the blade was i was just going to pick something up and uh, yeah five hours in a and e later um and five stitches later 
uh, it's uh, slowly on the mend. But yeah, it definitely has hampered my uh, progression. But I was very pleased to, even with that, still uh, manage to sort the trees out. Yeah, and this is for someone who contacted me and uh, is, a, is actually a listener. They are at Paints on a 4-Up on Instagram, which is a cool name. Um, yeah, and uh, four, four uh, being the uh, number on the four up. Yes, sorry, for the number. Um, and yeah, they're um, they're finished and based and uh, shipped off in one piece, which was uh, a massive relief. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the first posted commission job I've done, um, so the nervous wait for the confirmation of delivery through the app, followed by someone saying, "Hey, they're not all smashed and everything's fine," um, <laughs> was great. Um, he's actually got a picture up on I've just brought it up his Instagram he's actually got a picture of the terrain up and it, you've done a great job oh thanks mate yeah it was um, it was quite a big project actually he wanted 10 bases of trees and they're like 7 inches across I think so it's like a veritable mm. forest um, and some walls um, but yeah I think I've got the process for the trees um, down now uh, I made uh, I mean you know me Dave I made quite a few testers uh, be- yeah. before making the actual tree so i think i've got like six or seven on the bench uh, that were that were test ones um and these ones are super durable i made sure i made them quite tough so they're gaming uh longevity i mean you made yourself an absolutely amazing diorama board so uh, surely surely that counted as a <laughs> test test project uh, i made the tree i made these trees differently because those oh, ones well yeah because that diorama that i did for the armies on parade one a few years ago um which had the trees on it uh, were the ones that I made with the seafoam uh, process that I mentioned for my um, my own Lord of the Rings slash fantasy um, modular table. And after five or six or packs away and, and unpacking of the boxes, those trees have started to shed quite a lot. Um, so these ones I did, uh, these ones I did differently and are much more durable. You know, I tested them by like, you know, the test one got hammered onto the bench to make sure that it wasn't going to fall <laughs> apart. So I, I knew it was good. But those those seafoam ones, you can. You, I did the whole dip them in latex thing, like Luke uh, Geek Gaming Scenics tells you to do. But they, All right, they just yeah. didn't quite hold up in a way that I was happy. So uh, yeah, these are these are trees 2.0, um, and they're, they're 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 pretty tough and they they look they look good. So I'm I'm very happy with those. Yeah, they they really do look good. And I am moving on with the sec- the next project, which is a city. Board. I don't want to say city fights because it's not quite that densely packed, but it's a city board that someone wants me to do. So I'm making some baseboards. Uh, so that's a little bit of light woodworking uh, in terms of uh, the you know the, the construction elements, and then it'll be the, the the terrain items on top. So I'll keep putting those up on my uh, separate terrain account um, as I go through. But there, there's quite a lot. I've got to build another MDF kit. Um, how do, how does how does one contact you because i so, actually need some baseballs done <laughs> so the website is terraincreator.co.uk but i mean i've got instagram um and facebook and all the usual jazz that comes with email and whatnot probably dump it in the episode notes but um it's it's quite a project to start on and uh yeah like i said got some more mdf building out of the way which was good i'm definitely nice. um definitely really really sold on those kits and you know like you and i've been well we've said it offline quite a few times that they, they you know without the without the extra steps they did not look a bit boring but it is surprising yeah. the the little extra uh goes a very long way with them um, yeah yeah, it's it it is surprising actually because I always associated it with the standard MDF beige yeah. like color that they always have been. So when they show them all painted up, they 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 look fantastic. 
Yeah, very I, think different. That's, I think that's the problem is they're always on listed on the websites of the various manufacturers in just plain MDF color. And I think without yeah. that extra jazz, they, look, they, they do look a bit boring. But they're so much fun to build because it's kind of like giant airfix rather than Warhammer <laughs> building. Um, but it's kind of like Lego-ish as well because it's that construction element. Um, so I, I really enjoy them. And I've also been working on some 3D designs. So uh, our friend Ian from White Shark Gaming Studios uh, showed me how to use an online tool called Tinkercad um, to make geometric shapes. Um, and I've got another project I need to work on for a Necromunda uh, terrain piece. And I'm trying my hand, and so far so good, at doing the basic building uh, designs in 3D software and then printing them out. Now they're okay. not highly detailed and highly textured. Uh, my idea here is I will print the base works and then the extra effort, etc., will be all of the texturing and 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 paint work on top. So it's kind of like a hybrid between 3D printing and um, crafting. Nice. So give them nice. that a shot and. You know, I, I do have quite a lot of projects on the go, Dave, as you'll be you do. No, not, not surprised. Um, but I'm also doing a couple of personal projects. So I'm painting up the orc terrain from the Kill Team box set. Uh, the oh, yes, fantastic. One. I mentioned that before. Um, I'm going to do a video on how I did the paint chipping, but I did paint chipping without any fancy tools on this one. This is all brush-based paint chipping, and it's it's been fairly quick still, um, but looks looks good. And I think because it's orky terrain having things be a bit more random and a bit more um you know ha- you know ha- hash together looking uh, mm-hmm. actually really works so i think it's it's kind of coming together nicely and the the terrain kit is really good and you can pick it up uh, on ebay if you didn't manage to snag a kill team box set when it came out but i do think it's probably going to be its own what they call them kill zones you know the 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 the, the themed terrain and um like oh, environments right, yeah. in kill like team set to mechanicus exactly Alice, yeah i can see them releasing this as its own kill zone um set, That'd be good which would be cool um and uh, last but not least uh, my son and i are actually teaming up uh, sort of on uh, on some terrain <laughs> building i'm doing my own kill team board uh, that's going to be like a dockyard um nice because the TT Combat, the people who make the MDF terrain in the UK, uh, do a boat and like a crane and stuff like that, um, which were really sure. sim- really simple kits to put together. And I kind of nicked the idea off our friend Dan um, from the Bearded Gamers to do a. Do- he did it for Crisis Protocol, which is the Marvel game. Yes, yeah, Marvel but Crisis uh, I- I- I'm nicking the idea for a kill team table because I think it'd be cool to be able to fight in a dockyard where you've got the crane you can yeah. climb up and snipe from. You've got the boat that you can like jump on and off through the boarding planks, dash across the boat between crates and stuff like that. I thought that would be pretty cool. That, 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 that was uh, the basis for my uh, city board, actually, was going to have the whole dock section um, before I've moved on to the, the, the sort of the desert theme that I've gone for at the moment. But uh, it's certainly one for the future, so it would be interesting to see how yours comes out. Oh, feel free to pill, pill for all my ideas, mate. Oh, well, I, I always do. That's what I do this for. <laughs> So yeah, I've been busy. It's been a it's been mm. a, a hectic three weeks, but I think because I've got things that I'm working on in the garage um, due to size, and I've got things that I'm working on in the house uh, that are the personal projects. I think it's a nice split where I'm putting some of my time that I have now into the terrain business side stuff in the garage works I'm doing, and then of an evening when it's 
wind down time and I you know I've got my own time I'm sitting and doing the the in-house stuff and you know at the weekend doing a little bit of crafting with my son to build the the terrain kits um so it's it's a happy it's a happy balance right now um I'll try not to let it get out of control like I always do um but we'll see if we can uh, learn from past mistakes a happy mistake yes a learning opportunity learning opportunity Right, do we want to dive into the GW releases um, of models and more? Yes, yes. So with Christmas coming around, uh, they have started the whole cycle of Christmas miniatures and uh, the the classic merchandising options, especially from Merchoid, because I think they did the Christmas jumpers last year. Yeah. as as we uh, as we head towards the festive season. So let's start off with an actual model. And this is the Red Gobbo. So this is the 2021 iteration of him riding a space hopper, which is actually a squig. Yep. It's so good. It's, yeah. I mean, as as one-off models go, it's always been the uh, the Bugmans and the Red Gobbos that have always uh, stuck out. And uh, this one is no different. Stick this guy in a snow globe and you, you, you're good to go. I went into uh, another town near us, Woking, um and um, when you go into a new town that you haven't been to for a while or whatever or ever before of course you go mm-hmm. into the warhammer shop because that's what of you do you go and nose at the local warhammer yeah um and of course as soon as i walked in there they're like you know they, the guy greeted me as, as they always do the uh the woking one is that opposite the giant martian war of it, the world's martian it is opposite the war of the world's martian um because nice. that's in in the original story that's the kind of area where they were uh, where they landed in Horshall Common. Horshall Common, yeah, mm. it's not far away at all. I, I used to used to live near it. You did, yeah. Um, so I went into the local uh, Warhammer store, and the guy in there obviously knew our local Warhammer manager when I said I was from where. When I said where I was from, and uh, I just said, "Oh, I'm just coming to have a look at your shop and you know see something different." And uh, he, of course, convinced me to take home the Christmas catalogue. Um, I, bet, I bet that was hard. It that was, was hard, hard work. By convince me, I mean, handed me one. I turned to something useful and went, oh, well, this looks good. I'll take this home. Um, so <laughs> I just sold it to myself. Well, I didn't sell it because it was free. It was free in Games Workshop, Dave. Hey, um, they, they've done they've done a lot of discount stuff recently. They have. We, we've got to get on to that. Um, but in there, it shows you how to use a class, use one of those plastic make your own Christmas bauble arrangement things that you can buy in loads of craft stores all over the place to put the red gobbo in a christmas bauble oh really there's actually a thing they've got in there of, of uh, how, how to turn it into a decoration which i think is cool that's that's interesting it's neat isn't it so you can get all festive with your green skins there you go you need them in your <laughs> orc army mate oh no. Uh, no i like them as one-off models but uh okay. not in armies yeah. no not in armies not for that price as well <laughs> that's a no, display model fair. And yeah, so yeah, we can't we can't ignore the fact that I think it was a global thing, but it certainly was here in the UK that Warhammer Day saw actual discounts on box sets. There were quite a lot of products and some real good ones that were like twenty to thirty percent off. I yeah, I mean, that rivaling independent stores there. Yeah, so it's it's really really rare that you get uh, an actual sale almost in games workshop so this was this was quite a quite a turn up it i mean it was really really rare this this could be the start of a new trend i think so maybe yeah games workshop joy joins in with all other retail stores and actually has sale and stuff <laughs> yeah that, uh, they're, they're trying to get rid of fair enough i mean why not 
Right, so more actual models, because we probably should cover those first. And <laughs> uh, two brand new ones in the upcoming uh, Custodes versus Gene Steeler Colt box set, which is pretty cool. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, so the Custodes have got a, uh, I can't remember his exact title, but he's essentially a dueling sword master. Yes. Uh, and the Gene Steeler Colts have a stealthy saboteur. Uh, can blow stuff up so very cool always always cool yeah so i mean let's start off with the custodies essentially uh, you take the black templars emperor's champion and you give him a custodian stat line and there (laughs) there you go he looks cool very dynamic running forward with Mm. the sword yeah seems to be good on paper too and it, it i guess it fills in the little niche of custodies that they have HQ options, but you always take the same HQ yes. options. And, so and, it, it gives them an extra choice. And and I he's got the big he's got the big sword, the gun sword. I don't know what it's called. I don't know anything about custodies really. All Guardian I know spear? is no, no, not the guardian spear. That one I know. It's the gun sword, not the gun halberd. Oh. The gun sword, which I think, generally speaking, especially the guy who's standing it tipped down on the ground, looks utterly dumb to me. It's it's. 40k it's too fat it's, t- it's it's too wide this is one of those things where like 40k is stupid right we love it but it, it is stupid everything's over <laughs> the top everything's over oversized etc etc but they that's too far that one's a step too far for me it just looks a bit dopey um but somehow whether they've changed it slightly or whether it's the posing um i think he looks really cool with this giant sword like dashing forward about to hack something to pieces so it's a sentinel blade it's a sentinel blade there we go yeah it took it took me that long to uh to google it <laughs> yeah to put it on battle scribe oh really is that what you did nice yes yeah i added three guys and i'm already at 135 points <laughs> Custodies, oh, eh? You gotta love him. Uh, but I think the, I think he's really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, and the, and the Gene Steeler character, like you say, is it's just it's just one of those things that they they have they have other stuff with explosives in in the Gene Steeler. I mean, they've got the dynamite, they've got their mining gear, um, demolition charges, demolition charges from, galore. From those bikes, oh, those bikes, brutal. So good. But this one is an actual like saboteur character who's an explosives mm. expert. And I think that's pretty cool. Uh, either to have it as a, I, I I don't have a Gene Steeler Colts army, but I do have that kill team that I need to finish painting. Um, and now they might be playable in the new kill team. Um, this could be a great way to represent like the the various specialists and whatnot. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. I'm sure and there's a million uses for this model. Yeah, it looks looks very similar to the rest of the range. Uh, mm. It's not not a dig. Um, but I think if I were to do Gene Steeler Colts, and I almost wear it, so it was a toss-up between those and Orcs, but the problem with my Gene Steeler idea is it's a mining colony and it's very niche, and I wouldn't take any of the Tyranid elements, and I ah, think I'd okay. just be limiting myself. But yeah, I, I mean, a, a head swap on, on her and maybe cutting off the Gene Steeler arm. Um, and and yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool model and great if you're actually a Gene Steeler Colts uh, player and you keep the gene stealer arm <laughs> it's probably the go-to play anyway I, I think it's a case of them basically we know the codexes are coming down the line uh, with the mm-hmm. box set etc and uh it, you know it, it's pretty much an indicator that there's not going to be no no additional units it's probably just going to be these each army is going to get this additional hq as as gw do or elites depending on what it is but as, as gw kind of do a little bit more of a character fill out for certain armies and i think that's what we've seen a lot is 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 
box versus box set like this, new characters in it, and a, a new a new addition to the codex, but without a major a major a, a update or add. That is that is frustrating for the custodies because they don't have many units. What can um, they get so, though? I guess is that I suppose it's the, some of the Forge World well, the, stuff the, could come across. Yeah, right? it's, the it's, flying, it's essentially the, the Forge World stuff. Yeah. yeah, so you you need to have Forge World in there to have mm. some form of um, uh, to to have some form of variety in your army, um, especially the the Flyboys whose name escapes me. Uh, I, I think they begin with a V. Um, and then you've got the the shooty custodians with their um, uh, ridiculous bolt bolt rifles, I guess. Um, but Gene Steeler Cults, they needed a rules update. The model range is fantastic for them. Yeah. Um, they just sucked. So, <laughs> for want of a better phrase, um, so so an update of rules for them, it would be uh, it's not too bad. So, but something that came out uh, recently were the Joy Toys, the uh, the four four incursors that came out, yeah, or infiltrators, depending on what it is. I can't remember which one because I don't actually use them in my army. <laughs> um, but uh, the next wave is coming out, and this includes uh, some Blood Angels, some Death Company Blood Angels, mm. uh, which is pretty cool. They're all pre painted. Uh, I expect them to be around the same price. What was the the previous price of the four I think, incursors? Yeah, it's like eighty five for four of them. Uh, yeah, so these, I mean, these are big. So um, yeah, you've yeah. got you've got the death company coming out. You've also got a librarian, a primaris librarian, is coming out. These are all fully posable as well because they are proper sort of action figures. Yeah, he says with inverted commas because you probably <laughs> don't want your kids playing with them. No, and they're fully painted though. Like they've got edge highlights and everything. I. I to a good get, standard. I don't get how they're this well painted for that for that money. I mean, they're not cheap. Don't get me wrong, but uh, comparing the the price to the to the quality of the paintwork, I'm 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 quite impressed. Yeah, yeah, but I mean the 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 big <laughs> the big one that's come out is they are doing an Invicta Tactical Warsuit, which crazy. I am interested in, in in the sense of if I was to get one, I would get that one. However, yeah. I probably wouldn't buy it myself. Um, but, I mean, it's cool. It's a freaking Invicta Warsuit. And I think they said it's about 30 centimetres tall. So it is a big Oof. thing. I mean, I kind of want one on my desk, but I can't <laughs> I can't really justify it. You can't justify um, but yeah, whatever money it's going to cost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've already got one of the McFarlane miniatures. I can't, I can't get a, an Invicta tactical warsuit because my wife will just probably throw it out the window or try to sell it herself. <laughs> Um, but uh, moving on, some uh, let's let's move back into the the Christmas spirit and oh, yes. uh, what what has uh, had people's uh, noses wrinkled? Oh, the, uh, that's such over a the past good few weeks. One, Dave, it's the <laughs> smell of Death World or the Great Devourer or Slanesh, as Games Workshops uh, lent their IP to a candle making company, which mm. I quite frankly don't care. Um, uh, for some people out there, it's going to be great. But Rich, they why can... are they focusing on making candles instead of writing rules? Where's why don't I get? Why haven't I got my literally seen this? Why haven't I got my Chaos Codex? But I can buy a candle. <laughs> Games Workshop are not making the candles in the basement. They're not melting down wax and adding random. They're not adding like pots of Citadel paint to wax and calling it a candle. It's... Now that they're melting down old sprues, they've actually got this recycling <laughs> drive going now. Uh, oh, goodness me. The the internet 
backlash about pointless crap that they just don't understand how companies work. Anyway, yes, there is uh, six different smells, I think. Um, They come Mm. out in a cool metal tin. They probably smell really good. They have a fun 40k theme. They're a stocking filler present for someone you know who loves Warhammer and already has enough plastic soldiers. Please just try and enjoy yourselves. It's Uh. so funny. That and and there's a calendar coming out. Mm. Now, I'm disappointed that it is not a calendar of all the silly poses that Nick Baton and John Bracken used to do back in the day when they ran campaigns at Warhammer World and they would get props and do stupid imitations of uh you had to guess which models they were and models and they had to you had to guess what they were that i would pay for on a calendar um but it it is just that that is a blast from the past it it is it's just instead it's just cool 40k artwork on a calendar so again if you know someone who's a a, a, maybe they don't play warhammer but they're a bit of a warhammery nerd or something buy them a cool christmas gift and uh, maybe the internet can can just pipe down for five minutes, but probably not. But the, the, the outraged... I mean, I enjoyed the outrage as much as I enjoyed the concept of a cool present. Uh, I just... Oh, the people just... I, I enjoyed the outrage more. Yeah, fair. That's fair. People people can't be chill, man. <laughs> it's, it's the internet, Rich. Welcome. It is. Yeah, I know, right. On the subject of chill people, uh, let's talk about my, my game against Glenn. Yeah, so how did you get on? You played Glenn and his Grey Knights, um, and I played with my Thousand Sons with the new Codex. Um, so I'd be interesting to hear the contrasting or sort of conflicting information between the two armies and how they played out. How, how did you get on? Uh, you were playing Death Guard, right? I was playing Death Guard, so they are mm-hmm. resilient. We, we played like a narrative-y uh, mission so we didn't pick anything out of the book we, we decided to go with the open war deck okay to throw something together quickly and it means that uh i basically got the deck out um that day before or something or maybe the day of and just flipped over the cards and sent uh, sent glenn the pictures and we kind of spun a bit of a narrative you know about uh, it being an abandoned imperial mining uh operation where they discovered sure. some sort of relic uh the death guard needed to seize the relic and the gray knights were you know already uh in the area to 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 search for the relic and would have to drive them off so mm-hmm. you know it was some, some sort of i don't know psychic relic or something that's what the gray knights are always after in it demon demonic relics um i like the idea that the the chaos had already been in the area the people had found the relic and of course the gray knights would turn up to do what gray knights always do which is basically murder everybody who <laughs> interacted with anything slightly demonic and then they're, they're not they're not subtle so we I, I did a board setup made sure i got all the terrain i used my new gaming mat for the first time which was great uh, very nice the, the board tiles that i did have uh, went on it very well and the scatter pieces added on top of that we made sure we set the objectives up um, in a really spaced out manner and they were the uh, we rolled up the uh, mission of uh, each turn you roll for each one that you control and on a six that becomes the the only objective and you discard all the rest so you're kind of searching it's a search and operate it's a search and find kind of mission which we thought was great for the theme um, it was night uh, it was a dawn attack or night attack so the range of psychic powers and shooting was limited to 12 inches and then each turn you rolled to add more to the range so that was cool 
So we've, we've thought about where we place all the objectives, you know, put them in thematic buildings and, and cool places like that. And then right at the start of the game, Glenn rolls a six on the only objective that he controlled and it immediately turned into a game of fight for the single objective, which was kind of funny. Nice. Always good when you, <laughs> when you pick it up first. Yeah, you, you picked it all up and, uh, and it's like, oh, it's just this one. It's sitting here in a box, look. <laughs> so. Uh, that was easy. Game over. Thankfully, we'd both kept quite a few bits and pieces in reserve. Um, in fact, Glenn had half his army in reserve um, and I had a couple of units. So where we'd kind of deployed uh, cautiously because of the night fight rules and then had sort of moved up to engage uh, on the front lines, Glenn then deep struck a couple of his units in my backfield surrounding me and then i deep struck a couple of my units in his backfield to try and seize the objective so it became a real war on multiple fronts very very quickly um so though it got pinned down to just a single objective the game uh, quickly became like a board spanning punch up even though everyone was restricted to 12 inches which was kind of cool nice we had some good you know classic rolls moments where you know uh, one gray knight just refused to die I must have pumped, I don't even know how many shots into this Terminator and combat attacks and everything. Tried to drive my vehicles over him. Uh, he just refused to budge. Nice. My, I used Legend. my mythetic, my mythetic blight haulers, the shooty three-wheeled things with the missile launcher and multi-melter were absolute pants at shooting. Um, really? They were just rubbish. They're, they're meant to be really no, good. They are very mythetic. good. I just couldn't roll anything but ones and twos for there to hit Oh, rolls. okay. Um, however... Uh, I managed to whittle his uh, warlord in Dread Knight suit uh, down to a single wound and slammed into it with a mythetic blight hauler. I uh, didn't kill him because um, his gnashing gnashing maws are quite good in combat. Uh, but if Glenn killed the uh, mythetic blight hauler, I could spend a command point to force it to blow up and nice. deal a mortal wound to his character so with one anyway. remaining wound. So he was going to die regardless. And it came down to uh, whether he passed his uh, five-up shrug of mortal wounds, same as same as the Black Templars have, which is a uh, powerful, powerful ability on the Grey Knights. Um, but, I guess uh, it's to reflect them being uh, fighting against demons and having exactly. very psychic energies. Everybody's able. Every single person in the Grey Knight army is able to ward off psychic attacks, etc. So it makes sense mm. that they have that. Um, unfortunately for him, it uh, did not save his bacon. Uh, as uh, as he, as he smashed this thing to pieces with a hammer, and I pressed the boop button to make it go bang, uh, which was which was pretty funny. And uh, the game was just awesome. Um, and we played it narratively. You know, there were several opportunities where Glenn could have wiped my uh, warlord straight away uh, with heinous amounts of psychic and shooting, but didn't. Decided to spread the damage around. We made sure the dread knight and my glockkin, uh, which is a defiler these days, uh, duelled in the middle of the battlefield. Uh, big nice. big stompy thing versus big stompy thing it was just generally a very cool game but we definitely made a lot of our decisions around like the narrative part of the game because essentially we were just smashing into each other for a single objective and it was control the objective and win that was it right yeah it can, can turn into a bit of a slugfest and it gets boring quickly i guess yeah, and he had like one uh, strike squad marine left with the twin falchions uh, that could have fallen back and try and legged it for the objective, maybe making it, but instead charged into the like seven plague bearers that were in front of him, um, <laughs> which was cool. And he then promptly chopped them to pieces, which was also cool. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he just bossed it. Um, hacking nice. left. Well, you get a lot of attacks with those falchions. 
Um, and uh, my plague bearers are actually pox walkers, aren't they? So they're durable, oh, but uh, sure, they, don't, they, don't, sure, sure. they don't dish it out, so to speak. But yeah, it was an awesome game, and uh, in the end, it was a draw, which was which was kind of funny. Uh, we had basically oh. nothing. We had bath- we had nothing left each, um, <laughs> and we were both in that position of like, I could be f- defensive and fall back onto the objective, but I would just get psychic off the board, for example, because I was kind of the inner. So it, we had rings of units due to the deep striking stages, and I had the inner ring at one point. And I was like, I can just jump onto this objective, but I'd just immediately get shot and psychic off it. So I was forced to like charge and engage the paladins, for example. Um, I had mm. to be aggressive or die, um, and it just meant that neither of us played for the objective in the end. We were in such positions where whoever had the chance to get to the objective, if they tried to stand on it, they would have just died. Um, so we ended up just having a massive scrap, which was lots of fun. Nice. The Grey Knights, though, you you mentioned their comparison to the um, Thousand Suns because you were playing with Thousand Suns uh, basically around the same sort of time. Yeah, yeah. So and... uh, the, the the reason I bring it up is because I was playing Thousand Suns. It was the first time I was using the new codex, actually. And the amount of psychic mortal wounds dished out by thousand suns is i mean i was the one playing it and i found it ridiculous and not uh very nice i mean mm. I, I i was consistently getting 15 plus mortal wounds oh, that's brutal a, a, a psychic phase yes yeah. my my shooting didn't do much yes my assaults didn't really do much but it it was it was um it it just felt bad and i was the yeah. one doing it because mortal wounds are in this place where yes one or two or three armies can deal with them or at least have some sort of defense against them but if you're not running a librarian or any psychic defense it just turns into just an absolute crapshoot and yeah. like i mean i was against marines and like marines are these high sort of toughness i well, okay, toughness four, but like multi-wound models, and then there's the durable, me doing yeah. yeah, there's me doing four more wounds. That's two marines dead. Yeah, no, painful. no save, no nothing. Just, yep. just take them off the board, and like I wasn't, I, I'm, I was, I was pulling my punches to an extent because I wanted to have a fun game. We were at Warhammer World, like I mean, it was fun anyway because I was playing against Matt, and yes. we were at Warhammer World. You want a close so, game though, right? You want a memorably close yes. game rather than just a. a <laughs> beating someone up in a back alley yeah that, that's, that's essentially what it was every time every single psychic phase i was i was wiping out a quarter of his army yeah with with nothing in return and it just felt a bit oppressive is yeah. the word i was looking for earlier see it's it's strange with the gray knights because they changed a lot of their rules around smite um so i don't know how it is with the thousand suns but with the gray knights it used to be uh, the units that could cast smite had a short range smite and it only mm-hmm. did one mortal wound. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mini they, smite. Mini smite. Now they have full smite, um, yes. but it scales up in difficulty each turn as smite does for everybody else. So they've gained a bit more offensive capability in terms they do more than one wound. Uh, yes, it's harder to cast, but they also have a better range uh, than the 12 inches. But I didn't feel like it was too much because... Their rules for the units now are each each unit has its own special psychic power. Uh, it's no okay. longer you don't pick for the units what they can have. They have an allocated psychic power. Um, so like the you know the strike squads have hammer hand for example, which make them better in combat. So 
I did feel like it wasn't Smite Central. And I think because also we played the game with the multiple waves on multiple fronts, it didn't feel like there was a whole bunch of psychic powers just like smashing a unit to pieces. It was nickel and diming bits off here and there. And with the increasing smites, there were a couple of fails, obviously, uh, whereas you used to just get all successes. And Glenn hadn't min-maxed like the number of characters uh, he had, etc., etc., to get as many smites as possible. But Mm. um, I didn't feel like it was too much. Now, I don't know if that's because a lot of the time he was smiting like a couple of wounds here and there off of a vehicle, uh, which doesn't really show straight away, especially since most of my vehicles don't degrade and or was smiting pox walkers. And let's be honest, I don't care if he smites the pox walkers. So quite possibly I might have been on a bit of a, a skewed experience if it had been my incest, you know, my primaris models, for example, I probably would have felt a little differently about it. Um, but I think that they're not quite churning out the firepower as much as the Thousand Suns, because a lot of the other psychic powers that you want to use in the Grey Knights are not damage-dealing psychic powers. They right, are yeah. they are Gate of Infinity to move across the board. They are, do you know what I mean? There's the Soul Purge, which is a roll-off, and then you might take Mortal Wounds. It's not just volume of Mortal Wounds all the time. They've got a lot more utility stuff. So that's probably also another reason why I didn't feel like it was as much of an issue as you clearly um, had had in your game. Yeah, so so the Thousand Suns, their, their shtick was if you were just a Thousand Suns Battleforged army, you got extra range to your psychic powers. Yeah. Now um, they've lost that, but right. they've gained the full smites, like you okay, said. Same, yeah. Like I, I will say that some of my rolling was heinous and i was sort of <laughs> i think i got three super smites off um Ooh, yeah in in the three turns that we played um i mean they, they get plus one to their uh psychic powers they also get this um thing called um cabalistic rituals um which is essentially depending on the number of psychers you have on the board you get uh the the sort of ritual dice or ri- okay. ritual points and you can spend those points every psychic phase to do something be it increase right. your range. The hmm. thing is, one of them, which was, it turned out that any sort of three of them were useful. And one of them was every time you deal mortal wounds, you do an extra D3 mortal wounds. An extra D3? Oof. So there's yeah. me doing five mortal wounds with smite for my super smite and then doing an extra two. So yeah. seven mortal wounds from one character. See, the Grey Knights stuff that they have is the tides. And their tides are not around dish. Well, the ones that I experienced weren't around dishing out additional mortal wounds like that. They have the one of you know the the tide of shadows, which makes them harder to hit. There's the one that gives them a bit more. The cool one is yeah. the the nemesis force weapons deal extra mortal wounds on a six to wound in combat. But then they've got to be in combat, and they've got it. So it's, it's a, there's a lot of requirements for those extra mortal wounds. It's not just are you doing the thing that you do as an army. Um, yeah. So I think, I yeah, think that's I mean, probably where the difference creeps in as well. There's two specific um, disciplines, uh, psychic disciplines in, in the Thousand Suns books. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, the Discipline of Change, which is an old one, and Discipline of Vengeance, which I don't think they had before. If I'm trying okay. to remember back, they had the sort of the Heretics Astartes one. They had Change and they had the Thousand Suns specific one as well. Right, yeah. Some of them are defensive, like boosting your, your invun save to a four up. Um, which could be good, especially if you put it on Zangles or something, a big group mm-hmm. of them. But I mean, I mean, it's, it's partly my fault. I took damage dealing ones just because 
a lot of the damage coming back was either not going to affect me because all of dust you ignore um the ap on damage one weapons right yeah um or you sorry you ignore the first ap yeah of uh, damage one weapons and um some some of the other ones didn't really because we were playing a small game there wasn't too many high strength um high ap stuff coming in so it didn't really matter too much um so i was taking damage dealing ones but yeah it, it just felt that the um like Zinch's firestorm is one of my old favorite roll nine dice yeah. and any sixes um but it's now got like an upgraded power so if you if you get like a super Zinch's firestorm any fives cause mortal Ooh, wounds as well yeah um and again i rolled heinously and did like five mortal wounds just from that alone <laughs> out of the nine it, i mean it was partly my good rolling but it just felt oppressive yes and i don't know if that was the opponent the army i took uh just because I, I mean i took my old sort of eighth um eighth edition thousand sons version uh, of the army so i don't know if that suddenly got really good like it did with the tower when i went from the uh, fifth yeah, edition yeah. book to sixth edition or whatever it was where my fire warriors suddenly just shot all other factions off the board <laughs> but um yeah it, it, it was just a bit um yeah oppressive I, I i think it's just the fact that not too many armies get defensives against uh, mortal yeah. wounds and if there's nothing um, you can do about it and you can't take part in that phase you just feel like your opponent's getting an extra turn almost it, it was exactly that and and he had no librarian as well so he had no option to deny powers and my rolling yeah. was very good at the psychic phase it was shocking everywhere else but i, di- I didn't need it to be good in the other phases and yeah i just wanted to know what the, the gray knights were like because just the the output of Thousand Suns was quite frankly ridiculous. I mean that build might be there, um, but that's not what Glenn did um, mm. in terms of what the stuff he'd taken and, and the choices he'd made. So th- you probably could up it a little bit more, um, but I definitely don't think it's it's quite on the level of the Thousand Suns. So it sounds like they are. Hey, at least they're two different armies, right? The the last thing you want is the two air quotes psychic armies to be a copy paste of each other. Um, the fact oh, that yeah, the well. fact that they are different is is good. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. But um, I will say this for the thousand suns: it's very thematic. Um, there's all the, the the different schools that you can pick um, from. So the different uh, cultures or chapters of the thousand suns. Um, cool. They have different cults. I think it's called. Um, and you you get uh, warlord traits, you get relics, and you get um. Uh, psychic powers based on the different cults so you've got like the cult of prophecy the cult of time the cult of magic scheming uh knowledge change that sort of thing okay cool. um so yeah i i picked one and, and because i wanted to sort of use the new stuff i picked the relic and i picked that psychic power as well so it was um it was it was very interesting and i mean overall it was a very good game um, the Demon Prince with Malefic Talons is is, is still as good as ever blender yeah there's a shocker yeah, I mean, give him wings and he's straight into their back lines. And yeah, it um, the, the the sort of oppressive feeling came over as well because I, I took Engage as one of my secondaries and from the first turn, right, yes. I was I was on him, um, especially with some of the movement psychic power shenanigans as well. Right, yeah, I didn't you see, again, the Grey Knights don't have that element that I saw. So there's, there's quite a few differences, I think, then, which, as mm. I say, it has its upsides. It's just, yeah. I think it's just they're probably a bit more defensive though. I think so. They've got that options built in, yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, uh, like you know, I, I Glenn, Glenn and I had a great game. 
and I think it was a good matchup because I, you know, I was teasing him like, oh, I've got uh, you're you're bringing your demon hunters against my demons. Oh, I don't have actually demons in the list because they're they're um, death guard rules, but I used I used demon models. But um, teasing aside, it was same a, thing. It was a cracking game. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oof. Still Xenos or still Chaos. There we go. The Black Templar comes through. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. I've I've mellowed. I've mellowed recently. Mm, I, I quite right, like the Orcs. Is, is a bit more like it. <laughs> right. Yes. Speaking of which, do you want? Right. Do you want to talk about um, your kind of experience of taking said Black Templars to uh, tabletop tactics? Because I actually thought, you know, I thought we were talking about what, what we want to talk about, and I thought this would be a good topic. And first of all, I thought, oh no, we've had Chef on in the past. And mm. uh, to, you know, talk about the information that he he gave us on the behind the scenes bit. Then I realised that was like episode twenty something, and it was it was a couple of years ago. It now. was so long ago. Um, and I thought it'd be cool if you uh, obviously within uh, you, you know we don't don't want to break any of your NDAs that you had to sign and your uh, <laughs> you know uh, organs you had to sign across to them in order to. No, I'm joking. Um, I mean, they've still got my army, so <laughs> essentially they've stolen my firstborn. <laughs> Oof. Well, not literally the firstborn. No. Got rid of them oh, primaris man. now. It's thick and fast, Dave. But uh, no, I thought it would be good for you to kind of give us your peek behind the curtain, as you like to say, on, on your experience oh, of... Uh, you've said it a couple of times, and I'm never letting it go. Uh, <laughs> and kind of share that, and, and then I'll talk about what you know what I've experienced with uh, doing the recording with Bill. We'll have a bit of a compare and contrast, as you also like to say that a lot as well. I, I, I do, I do like to say that. for next year. Compare and contrast, yeah, but that's a, that's a work thing. Compare and contrast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, peep behind the curtain. I don't often use that. Do you get that in a lot of meetings? Yeah. <laughs> As clients swiftly leave the room. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, I won't. I won't go into details. Like so, like don't expect me to, to talk about the equipment they use and all that sort of stuff because I'm definitely not going into any of that. The way battle reports online are filmed, and we must caveat this with. This was not a live battle report. There are some channels that do that very well, like Tabletop mm. Titans, and they do the live stuff very well. So this this is a pre-recorded battle report that gets edited and um, all of that jazz behind the scenes. These games, you may go to a mate's house and play a game of mm. 2,000 points of 40k, take three, four hours. This is an all day thing because you've got all of the sort of the army shots to do. You've got all of the uh, the intros to to talk about your lists and that sort of stuff. Because you don't just turn up with a list, hand hand your opponent a piece of paper, or <laughs> bring up your battle scribe list uh, online. You've got to sort of engage with the audience, go through what it is, uh, set up the board in the first place, that sort of thing, and get get your army out get it on the board get the pictures for like the promo thumbnail shots and all that sort of stuff so there there is a lot of extra stuff that you have to do that you wouldn't do in a normal game of 40k uh, with your mates albeit everyone likes to take paparazzi shots of their their models out on the tabletop oh yeah that's a that's a given mate exactly exactly so yeah so you can forget about this this being a sort of a four hour thing this is this is an all day sort of nine to six sort of thing um so it it is long it's it's quite mentally tiring as well um especially when you think about it and you you suddenly remember that this is going out to thousands of people on the internet <laughs> yes i i was forgetting standard rules like i i i not out of nervousness just completely 
focusing on the hard to remember stuff, uh, yeah. especially with the new codex. I was trying to remember all the stratagems. I was trying to remember um, the fact that the new Crusader squad doesn't have bolt rifles. They have auto bolt rifles. You did that, remember that, that actually. I mean, yeah, you I saw you catch that. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's, there's all that sort of things and all of the new stats, which does have its benefits with the pre-recorded format. So you can, just before you're about to film, I don't know, this fight sequence, you can look up the stats and you can look up how many attacks they have, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but it is mentally tiring. Um, not so much physically tiring, uh, because you're not standing on flagstones all day, as anyone that's been to Warhammer World will know. That <laughs> yes. kills your legs. Um, but it, it it is mentally tiring, and it is... You do get to a point where you're like, oh, crap, I can't remember the rules. And you have to do sort of a cut and uh, re- not retake because you don't sort of go back and change dice rolls or anything like that. Um, but you have to sort of cut and remember stuff and make sure you've got the right strategy and make sure you've got the right command points as well because that gets tracked online. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no fudging of that. So it is it is a an experience and it's not for everyone, I must say. Um, there is a lot of other things that you don't even think about because um, you've got to interact with the camera as well. Yeah, you're doing this for an audience. This is not just for you and your opponent. You can't just talk to each other and uh, in hushed voices. You've got to be loud. You've got to be able to express what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because yeah. it is difficult to have an engaging battle report in a competitive format, in the sense of not telling your opponent what you're doing and what your plans are. Yes. I do this anyway. I mean, even if I was playing yeah, competitively, I just have this habit of saying, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to do. Just basically, if it comes off, I don't look like I fluked it because nice, I'm trying yeah, yeah. to do it. You, you, you want to make sure um, your opponent's well aware of your tactical genius. Exactly. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's 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 it was perfect for me because... Um, I I was I was talking to Chef like I was explaining what I was doing. I was telling Lawrence so that he could tell the audience when we were doing the shoots, that sort of thing. So it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad for me, and I just had to remember to keep looking at the camera rather than the Lawrence who was holding the camera because that's that was something that's that was hard a bit weird. to get used to. You have to look at the camera. Yes, um, like it's a person. But yeah, exactly. But it, it, I mean, overall, it was it was it was great. It was great fun. It was a very professional setup. Um, that they've got um, and it really helps in a way to ease you into it because it's exactly the same as what you've seen on YouTube I didn't feel too daunted yes I was forgetting a few bits here and there but that was more towards uh, trying to remember what the actual codex did because when I recorded it it had only been out for six days yeah limited study Um, time yeah well yeah and I was I was painting for most of those maniac you were I was I mean what was it like eight models which is unheard of in a week unless i'm going to a, a campaign weekend and Indeed. painting models in the morning of but um yeah it, it it was it was great and i can sort of remember because we did a battle report with bill morlock yeah. way back when Doubles. and a lot of it did remind me of what we did with bill um because essentially you are doing exactly the same thing albeit on sort of different budgets and I'm sure Bill won't mind me saying that. No, no. Um, but Bill, Bill, Bill's rocking what he does. Yeah, and uh, I, I love watching his, and I love watching Tabletop Tactics for sort of two separate reasons. But yeah. essentially, it's the same game, and it's, it's, it's 
great viewing for both. But uh, I mean, how does that compare to to your experience with Bill? What, how many, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, so straight off the bat, we played a more casual format of the game than you played. You played uh, match play. Uh, mm-hmm. You had to do you pick your secondaries. You had to keep track of your secondaries as well. Yeah. There's, all, there's all that going on. Bill and I decided that we would just uh, roll out a uh, open war mission to keep it nice and simple. Because he's taken a break yep. from the channel while he moved house. He's played a game yes. or two getting back into it. So he was like, right, let's just keep this simple. He's uh, moved into your town now, hasn't he? Yeah, he's fairly close down the road, actually. All which right. made life easy. And yeah, it definitely is a case of the time taken. is is something you just easy to underestimate if you've uh, never thought about this before. Because yeah. um, you know, we played a thousand points game, which is usually quite quick, quick and easy. And I think it took us like three and a bit hours for mm. a thousand point game which is which is quite slow but that is because like you mentioned there's a lot of off-camera prep you know when you're when you're playing a game with your mates you're like this unit's going to charge here you roll the charge roll then you're like uh there's what uh, 12 no there's 11 because i took a casualty earlier pick up your dice and you're like, oh right yeah of course ch- sergeant's actually got a such and such sword so you take the dice out you put the dice. you've got to do all that before the camera's on so yes. you've got to put your dice to one side and you've got to uh understand exactly who's attacking how many attacks what they need to hit what they're going to need to wound special rules that might trigger you've got to look at all that before you're rolling dice rather than realizing it halfway through because when you're watching a battle report no one wants to see someone do what i just read out in our podcast which is cracking Mm. audio um for uh an hour and a half on a on a youtube bat rep yeah it's great it cuts out the faff timing but that's the faff timing is is what adds up and obviously you've still got there it's just the, off air the banter and you've got the lunch breaks and all that sort of stuff off lunch camera breaks. No, no, bill didn't give me a lunch break <laughs> well, i booted out as soon break. as they finished filming <laughs> <laughs> he's good host he is he is he is, he is. But, um... i found memorizing names as well because you, you kind of want to get it right for the people listening at home people at home watching these channels and things probably know more about the codexes than i do because you play the tabletop tactics where they have almost every army. They know all the codexes. Mm. There's a whole team of them doing this, and it's it's their full time job. Whereas I don't know crap sometimes when it comes to things. I mean, correct. Doing my intro for the army was challenging enough. Getting the intercessors, oh, man. that infiltrators. was the, bit the whole day. That was the worst bit. Was the, the space marine naming convention? But like, there's so many things that you can easily forget, and you know that if you don't use the right term, someone can't actually look it up at home if they're like, oh, what does that mean? Or what does that do? Or you've mentioned that, but where if you don't get it right, they can't find what you're referring to. And things like names and stuff. <laughs> or was, if you don't get it right, they will find what you meant will to say. Find. Well, that does, that does bring us nicely on, on, on to... Um, uh, well, well, first of all, I actually wanted to touch on dealing with technical issues because people kind of... Uh, Sure. overlook that because you know if people haven't watched your bat rep yet uh there was a little bit of a sound audio issue mm-hmm. um bill and i forgot several things um in- including filming parts that we then had to kind of like do oh we've just done xyz it's so easy to slip up uh start speaking before the camera's rolling blah yeah. blah 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 all these things that just take up a little bit more like right now go back and do that again now go back and do that again not saying it's not fun because it is fun it's just a very different experience i know a lot of people would be like oh wouldn't it be cool to film our games at home and yeah it is cool just i think there's a lot of unexpected stuff you've got to do around the actual game that's taking place 
I I was about to say that it's it's almost almost because obviously that's the reason you're there. It's almost like the game takes a back seat um, to some of the stuff that you're trying to do, um, especially when you have to think about, uh, like you say, you have to look up how many casualties you've taken, how many attacks you've got, which what weapons, what's the AP on this. A lot of it is, I mean, for me, obviously, Chef is a absolute machine. Professional. And he has an encyclopedic knowledge of 40k, which is a bit scary. Some yep. would say he should do; it's his job. But I mean, nobody should, in their right mind, know that many rules to no. that many armies, especially at the rate that they're getting updated. Not. Like I, I've been doing my job for 15 years. Uh, the I work in regulation compliance. The regulations don't change that frequently. I almost always have to go and look something up. Yeah, uh, in a meeting or after a meeting, or to, 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 he doesn't look anything up. It's in his head. How it's it's how? ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, but, sidetracked. But, yeah, yeah. So my point is, like, I have to go through all of that ritual before yes. um, I go. I mean, I I know my Templars. Uh, I mean, it's well enough, kind of hard right. to say because obviously it was six days into a new supplement codex. Um, but like I knew, I, I knew sort of what the weapons did and, and what the AP was and how much damage they did. But there was a lot of faff time, and a lot of it is that research time of, oh, what stratagems can I play? Are these going to come into account? How many how many uh, command points do I have left? So, yeah, it it it, it almost the game almost takes a backseat um, for me, just because yeah. I'm trying to. Uh, get all of my stuff in order so that I don't come across as an absolute moron when the when the camera is rolling. <laughs> That's true. And I, I found with the game because I think because Bill and I played a bit more of a casual uh, format of the game, it, mm-hmm. the game didn't take as much of a backseat. So I, I think if people are thinking about like oh, I'd like to film a game or something, I think my, my I mean I'll go for it for sure, do it. But I think doing a slightly more laid back format as a starting point will stop the game getting lost in the many many other things that are swirling around you oh yeah um, i should caveat this with this was mainly at the start of the recording yes like once you're in the like, mode. But by, the zone, yeah right? yeah exactly it was it was um it, it was very much a momentum thing of uh, okay I'm, I'm used to this i'm used to starting and stopping filming i'm used to sort of explaining what i'm going to do to lawrence who was essentially narrating the battle report yes. Um, so yeah, once, once I'd sort of got into a rhythm, it was much quicker and, um, I was starting to ease into it. I was remembering the rules that I should have remembered. Uh, I mean, there was, there was one point that, I mean, you know me, it's, it's a transhuman, if anything, high strength is coming in. And then I just completely sort of forgot about transhuman. There was a point where Mike's like, do do you want a transhuman? I was (laughs) like, he's like assuming you're going to do it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, uh. Uh, and I was like lost in the moment. I was like, "What's what's what am I getting hit with?" <laughs> what strength? Is this like thing? normally, normally it's like yeah, transhuman. That's that's strength five. You're wounding me on threes, that sort of thing. Or yeah, God, yes, you're shooting me with las cannons. I'm going to transhuman. Um, but yeah, I, I I was lost in the moment, and it was daunting because like I I love tabletop tactics, and and it, there was there was a lot of um, fanboying. <laughs> to get out your system uh, yeah at the start of the day luckily I'd, I'd dropped off the army previously so i'd sort of got most of that out of the system but um especially going into the studio i was like i've seen this on tv 
but yeah, yeah, there there were um there were one or two bits that I'd missed out, like I'd forgot I had uh, extra command points for a re-roll, and um you can just roll them off camera, and and they'll explain what happened on before yes. and and at one point i forgot that um my entire sort of assault unit was in range of the apothecary and i managed to save like uh, a couple of guys just based on sixes off camera yeah but um y- yeah the, the the community can be brutal yes we do need to move to, on to youtube i tell you what before we do touch on that i'm super glad that uh our podcast is not on youtube with people oh, able to type live comments as they hear us drizzle on about stuff it yeah would, i mean uh, it, be pretty funny it, this 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 podcast goes through um a rigorous editing <laughs> process not too much not we, we again we've got into a rhythm we, we can just yeah, talk yeah. for ages um a lot of the time the editing is cutting out um bits that we've already said before <laughs> And they're probably like, well, you just said that bit We've, before. It's worth We've just talked about command points twice. We very, very rarely actually correct what we're saying. Two, two reasons. And if we to, are, it, it's always it's always to correct ourselves and we just leave the other guy out, out for dry. Yes, and, and, and I am almost always uh, happy to leave in a clip of me correcting you on making a mistake because uh, <laughs> I can't pass up that opportunity. Um, but the YouTube comments uh, can be particularly brutal. I think it's the classic uh, keyboard warrior thing of someone is behind a screen, so therefore they are invincible and they have found the slip up by you and they shall point it out to you. Um, well, to, to, to be fair, to be fair, sometimes the um, meaning gets lost in text form. So yeah, you right. Go, that is oh, a thing. Oh, by the way, you missed transhuman on that, or oh, by the way, you um, oh, you've completely forgotten about death to the false emperor on that one. And you might be sort of in your head typing like that, but when you read the comment, is you forgot transhuman, you forgot death to the false emperor. Yeah, you're and not letting that, that death to the false emperor thing go, are you, Dave? I mean, it was it was it was on one was model it? in my entire army, and I forgot about it. It was like two and a half yeah. years ago or something, and you could have let it go, man. It was, it was, it was against uh, Eliminators as well, as my team of friends jumped <laughs> over the wall. Not that I can remember, but um, y- yeah, and I have been very lucky. I was very well received um, on the, on the battle report, and um, I, there were next to no negative comments, which was, which was, uh, I, I did breathe a sigh of relief because in my head I was like, oh great, I've forgotten that, and how is that going to come across, and I'm wearing a two-year-old's chainmail hood, am I? <laughs> Don't spoil that. That's the highlight, Dave. That's literally the best thing about the whole video. <laughs> am I going to look like a complete moron? Uh, and, yes. And... Yes, you are. Yes, but it was great. Yes. Yeah, but that's me, though. Exactly. Um, and then completely blotch our name into the, the annals of history. Yeah. Um, it, it, no, it came off very well, and lots of people liked what I had, and I had um, very nice... Uh, interactions with both Lawrence. I mean, Chef. We chef, know we know. Years, yeah. um, but no, no, Lawrence. Lawrence is very nice, and he's he's exactly the same off camera as he is on camera. That's good to know. Yeah, he's, think, he's a very nice guy. I think well, one thing with the YouTube comments, though, and I think it's yeah, we we joke about how negative the YouTube comments are, and how nasty people get. I can tell you when it when it comes in. It comes in after the bat rep's been up for a little while, because what happens I've noticed is the bat rep goes up. Uh, on YouTube and or in their um, Tabletop Tactics app specifically for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the app, 
actually the interactions are 99% positive because they, yes, these, they these are. are people who are tabletop tactics supporters they're a, they're a community on youtube the initial people who watch a video are the people who are subbed and get a notification or mm-hmm. know that a bat rep's coming out so they tune in to watch it while they have their cup of tea or whatever same with bill like he puts it up on his um warzone morlock brain trust group on facebook he's putting it up places people are going ah oh, cool new videos out from bill i'll go watch that those are the people who love his content are are enthusiastic and are there to kind of be supportive and engaging etc etc yes it's exactly the, it's the week to two weeks later as the algorithm kicks in and you get random person x who has never seen this channel before is just on there to hammer the keys those well, are two this... different things and I, th- I i didn't want to paint a bad picture of like tabletop tactics and bill's community because the people who support the channel are awesome in no general. they're very nice it's 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 when you know the um the the outsiders blow into town uh, that, uh, that, you get, that you get you get issues. Well, the, the, this was one of the the things I was worried about because at the time of filming, the codex had been out for six days. Yes, it's fresh. Yes, right? I'd seen. Yeah, I'd I'd seen a lot of spoilers. I'd I'd seen um, previews. I'd I'd done my research, but I hadn't. I mean, I was not nose deep in this book constantly yeah. because I was actually painting to get the armor ready. <laughs> Um, so that was one of my fears because I know that the editing process takes sort of a couple of weeks or, or whatever it was. Um, and I thought these people that are going to watch it for the first time have are going to have the codex for yes, three, four weeks. Sure. And they're going to play games and they're going to see their mistakes when they played in their first game and then point out my mistakes thinking that I played yesterday, that sort of thing. Which is definitely the case, yes. Yes, yes. And I, I was a bit worried about that. So in my head, I was like, I need to get the Templar-specific stuff correct. Yes. Because yes. Mike and Lawrence can correct the Space Marine stuff if, if I had got it wrong. Yeah. Or the general um, because, 40k slip-ups. Yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, like dense cover. <laughs> those trees, man. Awful. Oh, man, those trees. Yeah, man, you lost those trees worse than Saruman, like... <laughs> nice. Uh, I did actually make an end You did? Joke. I, don't know if, I didn't know if anyone caught it. Um, and a Saruman quote, actually. You have chosen death. Yeah, yeah. But, um... No, the, 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 it was the first time shoot through them, and uh, Mike was like, "Oh yeah, you're and you're at minus one to to hit because dense." And I was like, "I feel ah, dense, bugger." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was the first time shooting through them. I was like, "Okay, I can't hit with this bloody tank on twos, let alone hit trying to hit oh, on threes. Man. So. Oh man, that yeah. So it, as... For those that haven't seen it, just don't judge me on my uh, gladiator variant. Everybody else has selection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I did before we finish up. I, I did want to ask you one thing about the um, now that you've spilled the beans on the the uh, the, the chainmail prop, <laughs> shall we say? How yes. did, did you warn them in advance that you were going to do this? And how how did Lawrence react? Because I, I, and, and I can imagine how Chef reacted. But how how was it taken? And uh, it, it greatly amused me. Um. Well, Lawrence's reaction. So. Uh, I can I can speak for myself and probably you and definitely Lawrence in we love to see salty chef like <laughs> when, I love Mike angry. whenever whenever he just like rolls his eyes that makes me want to do something more so yeah whipping out the um the chainmail hood uh, five minutes before going into the intro 
Oh, is that so you left it to that last minute? Oh, oh you, yeah. Well played, Dave. Well, so Mike was out the room and I showed Lawrence because um, like, Mike was I... out the room while I was doing my um, sort of intro bit. You're like, explaining. can I wear this, right? Yeah, I was like, I'm going to wear this. And Lawrence was like, do it, do it. Uh, and I was like, yes, yes. Um, and yeah, it, it got to the point where I was doing the intro and... I was so focused on the bottom of it cutting into my jaw. So, uh, <laughs> so good. But I was like, I can't, I can't do the inch. I can't do the army list with this. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was funny. But uh, no, he, they, they are very, very good. They're, they're very much the same mindset as me and you. And, and we yeah. all know that um, we, we both know that Chef is very much a narrative gamer at, at heart. Yeah. And so is Lawrence, to be fair. They're so, just very uh, capable. That's the difference. <laughs> yes, yes. They, 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 they know how to turn it on and off for uh, competitive games so yeah yeah, yeah no, but it was it was a very fun experience um i absolutely loved it and um being a local means that uh, uh yeah it was it was a, it was a very casual and uh, comfort c- comfortable day for me nice i mean yeah i mean uh, it will surprise no one else as well that bill is the same in person as he is yes. on camera you literally get bill on camera um uh, in, <laughs> Dirty real, jokes in real life yes that's the difference is uh, I was I was allowed to get involved with the dirty jokes and you weren't. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the price you pay, Dave, for your fame. Hey, you can say anything when the camera's off. <laughs> oh, dearie me. You get kicked out for bad work ethics. Yeah. All right, shall we wrap things up with a hobby tip? Oh, please do. That's very kind of you, Dave. Yeah, so I wanted to um, obviously been, uh, as I mentioned, uh, churning out the trees um this week and doing lots on lots of uh work with flocks and various bits and pieces and i wanted to talk about recapping on what i talked about before which was spraying things down with pva so uh, anybody who's ever made anything uh, terrain wise if it's got anything loose on it whether it's gravel sand flock um the static grass anything like that you've got to bed that stuff down with pva glue otherwise mm-hmm. Two or three games in, it's going to start shedding everywhere. I mean, I'm sure we all remember the old GW grass mats uh, oh. of days gone by. The the flock just ones, more on, more on your forearm than was actually on the table. The flock ones were awful. The material backed ones that had the static grass on were amazing, and I really wish they still made them because they were very very durable and good. But uh, yeah, that the, the flocked stuff used to shed everywhere. It's horrible. Yes. You don't I want mean, that from your terrain. Shout out to my parents that were very supportive of a, a young me with a Lord of the Rings uh, board <laughs> terrain idea. Um, but yeah, parents patio found out the hard way of how non-durable flock is. Yes. Where, where we finished sort of doing it. And this was back before I knew the world of sealing and everything. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's just green flock all over the patio. Yep. You got to lock that stuff in. Um, and PVA glue is the the best way to do it. Um, so I talked before about how to seal stuff down with PVA glue, but I think between now, uh, between then and now, I've gotten uh, the hang of doing things a bit differently. Um, some mm-hmm. different people have done things a few different ways, and I've kind of cherry picked uh, from the various knowledgeable ones uh, that that what what's what really works for me. And I mean, the the basic is to kind of sandwich everything in PVA glue. You don't want to just Put down thick PVA glue, sprinkle your stuff on and leave it to set. That's the old school way of doing it. That's the way I used to do yep. it back in the day. And it's like, well, whatever sticks in the glue sticks and you tap off the excess. 
um that's really not the way to do things anymore a lot of people are doing you can call it different things wet working i've heard it called uh which is a bit like wet it's a bit like wet blending with your terrain the idea being you don't want to put down thick thick pva as your base because it will just sit there and not do anything um, mm-hmm. and stuff will kind of get stuck on the top maybe but pva glue is really works by getting in and around what it is that you're gluing down with it um so the key is almost, to a- almost like a paste of it yeah exactly the thing you want to do is you want to thin down your pva glue when you're putting down the base layer and it's it feels counterintuitive because you're like well if it's thinner it's not going to be as strong but you're working in layers all the time and that's that's the key here so a thinner base layer lets it seep up properly into the material that you're going to work with um, and you want to put a little bit of something to break the surface tension of water in there because pva glue is thick plus you've got surface tension of water you want to put a drop of dish soap or washing up soap or rinse aid from a dishwasher something that's going to break down the surface tension and let it really soak up into your base material and the key is unless you're painting it in which case you're obviously going to want to let it dry completely um, and you're working in layers with flocks and things you've got to put your flock down then spray it down with PVA glue. Then put your next layer of flock down because you want to do a different couple of colours and you want to work in a highlight and shade kind of way where you put darker flocks in recesses and where water would gather and lighter flocks on exposed areas. Where you're doing the different layers of colour, you're going to want to put down the flock, wet it again with some more watered down PVA and so on and so on. And you end... Hence the sandwich analogy. Yeah, it's layers. It's layers like ogres. It's got lots of layers um and uh it just holds everything together and it does dry into one big clump that doesn't mm-hmm. look bad because you've used thin layers i mean i'm going to say like duncan here but you've got to go with the two or three thin coats of of glue and that's the key is there's the thinning down of the glue because i never used to thin my glue down enough i would think oh i put it on a bit thicker then i've only got to do the one coat and the problem mm-hmm. is it dries in a, in a in a similar way to too much paint drying in a really thick and clumpy way where you can see the glue you know you get that that kind of sheen or like you, you it, it sticks between the flock rather than soaking into the flock and you, it looks like you've spilled it looks like you've spilled glue on your board and let it dry. It really doesn't look very nice. You don't want that to happen. So thinning it down is the key. I think most of the time, like your craft or PVA, they say thin it 10 parts water to one part glue. Um, and if you're using industrial PVA, like I use the construction stuff, you've got to thin it down even more. Um, Yikes. And you want to add something again to break surface tension. So some sort of soap or something. I, I usually do the Richard Cheapskate thing of you know trying to use a recycled one. And the problem was they they don't work very well because, thankfully, modern spray Mm -hmm. guns are redesigned so that the pump is actually made of plastic completely so that it can be recycled as it should be. The problem is it doesn't have a spring in it anymore. Those those kitchen you know kitchen sprayers and your 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 bathroom sprayer at home. Oh right, yeah. Recycling those is not really a good option anymore because it doesn't have a spring. So what I've actually done is bought with real money a um, flower mister or plant sprayer. Um, oh yeah yeah the like the miracle grow stuff the good thing is it's got a proper spring in there and it's reliable and consistently works so it's definitely worth mm. investing in and it, me- it means that you can really cover the area quickly again you want to do multiple thin coats in your layers as you're going um and you can add stuff to the pva glue i see a lot of uh, people are now adding some sort of varnish whether you want to add a bit of mod podge um acrylic varnish something that's actually tougher than pva because pva is benefit is that it's a little bit stretchy 
which is why it's super good at holding things together in a durable way because it doesn't sh- it doesn't break or shatter like plastic which you know it's not brittle um, right. yeah. it's also not very hard wearing so adding a bit of hard wearing something like a varnish will kind of get you the best of both worlds um and uh, the, the last thing to point out that uh, has really been a, an eye-opener for me is after using a board for a while, you will get bits where it's gotten a bit worn or you want to touch it up. Obviously, then you can just reapply. But sometimes the flock just looks a bit sad. And what you can actually do is revitalize the area just by spraying it with some water. Because water PVA reactivates with, with water, right? It, it goes back to its glue state, its liquid state uh, when you wet it. It softens it up, which is why you've got to be careful when wetting things down that you've used PVA glue on because you could end up disturbing what you've already got there. But sometimes when your flock is looking a little sad and a little worn, you don't necessarily have to reapply it. Just spray it with a bit of water and leave it overnight and it rehydrates and it kind of puffs back up again. Um, and then the glue sets overnight and you're, you're, you're kind of back to a, a good gaming surface. So I would always recommend trying that if you've got, or even on bases, if they're a bit worn from constant handling, Give them a bit of a mist with just plain water. Let them sit overnight and see if they look better. If they don't, then reapply. But otherwise, you can kind of save yourself the hassle of having to you know, redo a job you've already done once. Like a Vax carpet cleaner. Sure. I wouldn't use a Vax carpet cleaner because it will probably strip your terrain down to nothing. But No, but I used one today and my carpet looks fine. So, Does it? Uh, yeah. Have you just go. moved in this year? Yes, but I've got two kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yep, I'll take that back. <laughs> Two kids under three. Yes, yes, that's going to be messy. Oh dear, just like they're not allowed to eat in the uh, in the living room with the carpet. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's raisins. Yeah, raisins and carrot bars and food gets transported like... round the house, yeah. right? Here's the interesting parenting bit: people who don't care. But yeah, we've got peas in basically every room of the house because yes. somehow they've ended up on the floor and then Hardened. dried and gone kicked around the house. I don't know how it happens, but they're everywhere. Yep, and they just turn into like ball bearings. <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, but anyway, that's that's all we've got time for because uh, recording time we're approaching the two hour mark, which is unheard of for us. But uh, yes, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash floorhammer podcast, our website floorhammerpodcast.com, and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. Cheers, guys, for listening. Speak to you next time. 